This is City Post Church. We're about three things. Build, equip, and send. All under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. A small church plant in Fort Worth, Texas. Who decided to do things a little differently. Adoramos a Jesucristo. I love City Post because of the people. It's where I belong. We truly preach the word. I love City Post because of the community we've been able to build. To do ministry like Jesus, for light to push back darkness. This is City Post Podcast. Your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Numbers again. Uh, We're going to be in chapter 13. And we're going to look at a few verses, learn five things, and then go home and watch the playoffs, just like the Cowboys are doing. So, so, a little, a little, a little too soon, right? Too soon? Too soon? Man, that was terrible, wasn't it? Man, that was rough. I was like, is that Paschal out there? Like, dang. Uh, <laughs> brought me back flashbacks. So, um, you know, before we dive into the text today, um, you know, one thing I love about this generation, uh, one thing I love about our culture is that we are a generation who is easily inspired. We love inspiration. Um, you know, no matter where you're at, you could easily just kind of pull yourself up. You could watch a video. You could watch a posting and it'll inspire us to do some things. Even like if you look at most uh, like daily vlogs or, or, or reels or stories, um, most of them are about people just not telling us about the day, but also digging into some type of inspiration. Like, oh, the day in the life of a 23-year-old you know, business professional, or the day in the life of a pastor's wife, or uh, the day in the life of someone not trying to get robbed in Northside. Uh, whatever that looks like, I had to get that, sorry. I, uh, whatever that looks like, and, and it always starts out the same. It's like, I wake up at 5, you know, I open my journal, I meditate, then I go do a cold plunge, and then I cook a hearty breakfast, and I go work out, and then from there I go to work, and I take 15 calls and 10 coffee breaks, and then I go home, and I cook dinner, and then I clean the house, and then I light candles, and I meditate again, and I plan for my day, and I do it. You know, like, they go through this, this massive series of events in their personal life and everything is about like health or strength or but everything leads to yourself it's all about you it's about inspiring yourself it's about purpose it's about driving to be better and I feel like a lot of that is also kind of creeped in to our Christian uh, culture especially in North Texas which we're in the Bible belt we're the belt buckle of the Bible belt and, and you see things, you hear verses that people use as inspiration. Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Strengthens me. And you're like, yes, I can. I'm more than able. Right? And it's like, no, like God's the one that's more than able. And then you hear things like, no, like, like God promise, uh, pr- promises us. Like, he's like, I have plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you hope in a future. And you're like, yes. Ugh. Like, it just kind of inspires you a little bit. Like, I'm to be the head, not the tail. And you're like, yes, that's right. I'm to be the lender, not the borrower. And you're like, that's true, even though I got four credit cards, right? And you hear these things, and it's like, ugh. Like, you're just like, it just kind of, like, pumps you up. And then you see these postings and, and all these things. But my, my question to us today, well, kind of what I will look at is, what happens when inspiration and goals and, and callings and all these things that we have in our life, what happens when the reality hits 
that it's going to be on God's terms and not our terms. Because these are all great things. We all want to like do things for the Lord. We're all like, yes, God, like I want to do this. Like I want you to use my life. I want to go out and make disciples. I want you to use me to do amazing things. But then God's like, great. You ready? You're like, yes. Okay. Get out that relationship. Like, hold on a second. Like I just said, I want to serve you. So I'm ready to go jump in. I'm ready to go do it. And God's like, awesome. Stop sleeping with your girlfriend. You see, like, we want to do things on our terms. We want to serve the Lord based on what we feel we are ready to do. And we like that. We want to control the narrative because control means that we are comfortable and comfort means that we're safe. And we want to hold this. And if we're honest with ourselves and we use these inspirations in our lives, we might see things like, yes, Lord, like, let's go make disciples of all nations. Let's start tomorrow. But I can't do it during the week, so I got to be home at 7 because I like to sleep my 10 hours. Or like, yes, Lord, like, I want to go and, and let's, let's go to the nations, God. How long is that plane flight? Oh, no, because of the way my PTO works, is, uh, I can't. You know, like, like we, we, we want to do things to our way and our liking, and we want to control what God wants to do in and through our lives. And the problem is, it don't work that way. But what I truly believe is that there's something we can learn from the report that the spies gave to Moses and Aaron. Because they, you want to talk about inspiration? They're about to go to the promised land. They're about to go to the land of milk and honey. They were like, man, we got to get together. Let's start planning. I need you to send 12 spies to go look at this land that God has promised us. And they go and they look at the land and they're inspired. They're like, yes, this is ours. We're finally free. We finally get our own place. And they get to the promised land and they're like, oh, there's giants. You know what? I didn't even want to go in no more. I like the desert. The desert's fine. I think we're fine right here. We could just set up shop. We're good. Like, what happened? You had the promise of God. You had the calling of God. God promised you these things. And now it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. And God's like, no, I want you to go take it. Do you trust me? And really what it comes down to is that the Israelites, they failed to believe that God, that the Lord, they, they failed to believe the Lord because God says, man, that is your land. Just go take it. And they're like, yeah, but uh. So really, their lack of faith was actually in rebellion to God. So what do we do with this? So let me speed us up, and then we're going to just jump into the text. So you guys know the Israelites, they're in bondage, they're in slavery to Egypt. God finally hears their cries, and he sends Moses, and Moses is like, I can't even talk right. Moses, and then God's like, it's okay, I'm going to give you a brother. So, so here's Aaron. Aaron's going to speak for you. So they go, and then they do the whole, like, 12 plague or the, the plagues, and then Pharaoh finally frees them. They get out of Egypt. God allows them to cross through the Red Sea, so God opens, and they, they cross on dry ground, which is crazy to us, crazy to me to think about. And then as... As Pharaoh and his army start pursuing them, God drowns them in the Red Sea, takes care of the enemy for them. Then God's like, I have a land for you, a land flowing of milk and honey. This land is all yours. Takes them to Mount Sinai, gives them the law. They still jack it up, but God still forgives them. Fast forward, here we are in Kadesh. 
Now, last week we talked about 40 years after they arrived today at this point that we're going to read. And what's wild is the Israelites, like, how do you go from walking to wandering? How do you go from marching to meandering? And then how do you go from um, witness, being a witness to wailing? Because they just cried the whole time. Like, how, how does that happen in our lives? So look at verse 26. Let's go ahead and dive into the text. So we're going to be in um, Numbers chapter 13. So this is the report. So Moses, he gets 12 spies, one from each tribe. And he goes, I need you to go scope out the, the scene so that way we could plan. We have over a million people. Like, this is just great leadership right here. The land is already ours. Now it's just us to survey the land, strengths, weaknesses, all that stuff. They went to the land. They did a SWOT analysis, all this stuff. And this is what happens when they came back. Look at verse 26. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them, to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. He, we went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who lived there were powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites, the, I can't even say that word right now. The Amalekites uh, live in the, in the Gev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. There Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take the possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the man who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report uh, about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw, there of great size. We saw the Nymphalin there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nymphalin. We seemed like grasshoppers in their own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Let me pray for us. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you're doing here, Father. Lord, I pray that you speak through your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you use me. God, help me to collect my thoughts. Help me to remember everything that was studied. Lord, let everything that comes out of my mouth and my heart be of you and not of myself. So, Lord, we thank you and we pray you see Jesus in everything. Amen. All right, so let's go back to verse 1 because we have to walk through this. There's some, some great lessons here. All right, so they came back. So they went. They saw the land that God had promised them. It was, it was, theirs, that, it was theirs to take. And God says, I just want you, Moses, like, I need you to go scope out the land. This is just a great this is great leadership right here. They are planning for all of their people. They got to know what it looks like, where they're going to go to. And this is the report that came back to Aaron and Moses and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh. This is verse 26 in the desert of Paran. So they got everybody together because everybody wanted to know, like, this is it. We got this. You want to talk about inspiration? Like, we're, we're going. This is what, we, this is what we're going to, like, raise our kids at. This is our land. We're no longer slaves anymore. We're free. They even brought fruit to show them. And what we see in the next chapters is, man, these, these grapes that they brought were so massive that it took two people to carry the grapes to the assembly. So look what they're doing. 
Look at verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. How crazy. What they're saying is like everything that you've been telling us, everything that God has promised us, we saw it with our very own eyes. Here's the evidence. We have the fruit right here in front of you. So they're saying, yes, like we see the land. We saw it. Everything you said was true. Here's the fruit. Here's the evidence. Now, here's where it gets a little funky, because I think a lot of us, we kind of fall into this. Because if you look at verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful. How do you go from God promised it, we saw it with our own eyes, check it out, evidence is right here. However, our focus is on what scares us instead of what's promised to us. Isn't that interesting how that works? You know, the word but here, a, a better translation in scripture would be nevertheless. So if you translate, so nevertheless, or the word but, these are, this is a word of contrast here. It says, we got fruit, but the fear is keeping you from seeing the fruit. How do you focus not on the promise, but you focus on the fear? And the truth is that when, when faith, when, when you lack faith, what fills in that gap is fear. So the more faith you have, the less fear. Fear is going to be pushed out. But when your faith in the Lord drops, fear is going to creep in. And that's what the enemy does. We talked about this in the beginning. Satan is a deceiver. He can't create anything, but he could use your fear. So what he's looking at, so faith, so fear enters the picture. And now the people are, instead of operating in God's truth, now they're operating on their very own strength. And, and they could probably make the arguments like, well, Ricky, I'm a realist. Yeah, that's real dumb. Because God promised you these things. You have the proof right here. And like, but in reality, we're not going to be able to take them on. You know, I love like when people tell me this, because especially when it comes to stuff of missions, you, like, man, there's, there's a very small room from being a realist and being a faithful follower. We got to trust God. So in verse 28, it says, but the people who live there are powerful. Their cities are fortified. They're, they're huge. They're large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. So the spies were like, yeah, we, we did. You know, like this is what we saw. But these cities are massive. Here's what's interesting, too. I was looking at this, like when it talks about why would they talk about fortified cities here? So the descendants of Anak, we know that those are giants. We know that descendants of Anak, that's what kind of where Goliath came from. These are massive people, but they're also strong people, powerful people. And the first city that the spies came into was Canaan, which is through Hebron. This is where Abraham built an altar to the Lord. Actually, Abraham and Isaac were buried in this very land. So the spies, they should know the Old Testament. They should know what was being taught to them. And they knew that God already had some ground on this ground. He had some promises here. All they had to go do was take it. And then in verse 29, they just start shooting off kind of what they've seen. 
the Amalekites, they live in the Gav, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they live in the hill country, the Canaanites live near the, the sea and along the Jordan. And then I love verse 30, because everybody, every church, every family needs a Caleb. Look what Caleb does. It says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. You see that word silenced, a better translation would be uh, the verb quieted, right? It's, it's an active verb. That means that there was an interjection from Caleb. So that means that the report of the spies caused the whole Israelite community to have a verbal reaction. There was some passionate people, y'all. It wasn't like, oh, no, how are we going to take this land? No, when they started telling the report, it says that people were probably murmuring, and it caused Caleb to speak up. It caused him to say something like, everybody shut your mouth. Like, it had to be this strong reaction. It wasn't like, if you hear my voice, clap twice. No, like, it, it wasn't like what teachers do. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm joking. All right, so, like, it was, it was this whole thing of, of, like, hey, like, everybody, be quiet. It caused a strong, passionate interjection. And he goes, no, 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 we should take this land. We need to take possession of this land, for we can certainly do it. You see, what Caleb understood was, regardless of the report of the spies, he knew that it just wasn't about the giants. He knew that he had a giant god. It, was the, it wasn't about the people. He didn't see that. He saw the promise that God gave them. He knew that God gave them this land. He knew that their God was going to be able to overcome these giants and these strong people. Caleb was a man of faith. Out of the, tw out of the 12, only two people came back and said, we need to go do this. And it was Caleb and Joshua. And I was even studying this, even, it's even crazier. Joshua, when he takes over, when you read the book of Joshua, he goes into Jericho, and they go spy the land out. You know how many people Joshua took? Two. You think he's going to make this mistake again? It cost him 40 years. So no, he's like, him and Joshua were the only ones that came. But look at verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. Everything, the whole focus, was not on what God promised, but on what I can do. And in reality, there's something called the majority wins. The majority vote wins. We, when you look at politics, when you look at policy, yes, the majority does rule. But in this case, the majority cannot always be trusted and accurate. We also see that in politics and in policy. Just because everybody else says it's good doesn't mean it could truly be trusted. But when you consider what John talks about, like in 1 John um, chapter 5, verse 19, I'll just go ahead and read this for us. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God 
and eternal life. You see, when it comes to kingdom stuff, guys, when it comes to the things of the Lord, it's not the, major, the majority that, that rules. It's the minority that rules. We see this in the book of Romans. He talks about it's about the remnant. There's only a few of us. It's us. It is the people of God versus the world. Who are you going to listen to? I'm going with the people of God. Those who have faith, those who have, have trust in the Lord, those are the ones who rule. And Caleb, in this point, was right. But he wasn't part of the majority. But he was right. Because God made a promise. Moses knew it. Joshua knew it. Caleb knew it. Nobody else knew it. They even had the fruit in their face. They even had evidence of the promise of God, and they still ignored it. And look what happens because something that you and I are going to learn is that whenever there's unbelief, whenever there is small faith, it doesn't just impact your life, but it also spreads like a disease. It impacts the lives of those around you. Look at verse 32. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. And then verse 33, we saw the Nymphalin there. The descendants of Anit come from the Nymphalin. We seem like grasshoppers in their own eyes, and we look the same to them. You know, it's interesting about, um, you know, we talked about highly dramatic people last week. You know, it's interesting about people that, that get dramatic. People that get dramatic, they don't just embellish stories. They also embellish issues. And they embellish problems. What's funny is that here, as they're talking, they said there's descendants of Anak there. Now, as the people are freaking out and that report's starting to spread amongst the people, now they're saying, no, all of them are giants. They're all descendants of Anak. No, they're, actually, they're all descendants of the Nymphalin, which are extremely powerful and strong people. Now, when I read this verse, they just said that there were some descendants of Anak there. Now we're getting to the end. Now they're saying all of them are. Because that's what people do. They exaggerate the dangers of the people in the land who sought them. They embellish these things. And now they're roping everything together. You know, we, we kind of do this a lot too, especially like, man, back if you go back in high school and and, and if a girl breaks your heart and your friends are like, no, nah, man, don't worry, there's, there's somebody. But he's like, no, nah, all girls are evil. They're all bad. Let me just listen to Dashboard Confessional and eat my Taco Bell. Leave me alone. Right. Like, like we we have that inside of us. We're like, no, they're all terrible because they broke. They break people's hearts. You get that's dramatic. You're just being dramatic right now. You're hurt. Something bad happened to you. You see the same thing. So right now, they're, they're listening to the story, and now they're embellishing. Now they're growing. Now it's terrible. Now it's starting to grow. That fear is spreading amongst the people. And what's interesting to me is verse 33, how it says, man, we look like grasshoppers to them. But not just that. It says in their own eyes. But then it says, we look the same to them. What they're saying is like, we see ourselves as grasshoppers compared to giants. And they probably look at us the same exact way. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why in the heck would you compare yourself? That's a weird contrast, isn't it? 
Grasshoppers to giants, giants to grasshoppers, that's kind of extreme. So I started thinking, why? What, what, what is it about grasshoppers that they would use this example? It's a weird contrast. Well, grasshoppers, there's some interesting facts about grasshoppers. I'm a dork, I know, right? Grasshoppers are considered the smallest, most edible animal. Do you know grasshoppers have a really high source of protein? <laughs> You're going to find out before I do. I'll tell you. If you don't believe it, you could ask John the Baptist. He lived off of those bad boys. He had locusts. He had grasshoppers. He had honey from the trees. If you go to other countries, they, they actually eat. So what they're saying is, in this time, grasshoppers were actually a high source of protein. Like, people would actually eat them. It was part of the diet. It's not because it's gross. It's not because there's not. No, like, we're talking about survival here. We got to talk about culture. It's like them saying, like, look at those giant. Man, we look like a bunch of shrimps to them. Like, not just shrimp. Like, we look like a shrimp cocktail that they're ready to just tear up. They're ready to just eat with some crackers. Like, they're going to devour us. We don't stand a chance in the sight of these giants. Man, it's sad that for most believers, we live in the realm kind of in the same spirit and in the same boat as those spies that did not believe that God promised them something. So what I want to just, the next just 10 minutes, is how do we move? Like, how, how do you take inspiration and calling? What is it about that? What can we learn so that way we don't fall in the same boat? Because you know what cost them here? Because of their unfaithfulness to God, God had them set up. God gave them promises. Because they did not trust the Lord, they spent 40 years in the desert wandering around. Because God says, this generation that didn't believe me, all y'all are going to die out before the next generation goes to the promised land. It was a costly, costly decision. So what I want to look at is what can we take from this so number one is our inspiration needs to be driven by our devotion to Christ. You know, many of us have a passion. Many of us have a calling. Many of us have a purpose. Many of us have things that we want to do. It don't always have to be church stuff. Some of us are great with business. Some of us are great educators. Some of us are great with people. Some of us are great with nonprofits. Whatever you inspire to do, you better make sure that at the base of that, in, that inspiration is Jesus. It has to be Jesus. The reason why they were going to the promised land was because God promised it to them. Moses even said it in, in uh, Exodus 33. He's like, Lord, if you're not there, we don't want to go. And the reason why Jesus has to be your inspiration is because it's going to get hard. Things are going to come your way that are difficult. And if Jesus is what's driving you, the difficulty is easy. You grind through it. You go through things. And it's not a big deal because I'm doing it for my Lord. You know, I was having a conversation, man. Like, you know, planning a church is hard work, man. It's not easy. 
It's like working two jobs sometimes. And a lot of people come up to me like, man, Ricky, don't you ever get tired? Don't you ever like want to do something else? Like, aren't you tired of like, don't, don't you ever like this grind? Doesn't it wear you out? And at first I start thinking, I was like, well, kind of, sort of. But then it's like, no, it, it, I never get sick of this. Like, this is awesome. And it's not because of what we're building. It's not because of anything else. It's because Jesus is at the center of this thing. At the center of everybody's inspiration, there's got to be a nucleus. There's got to be a reason why you get out of the bed in the morning and you go to work even though you can't stand people there. That reason is Christ. Because I want to show Christ to people. I want to do a good job for Christ. I want to take care of my employees for Christ. Everything has to be around Jesus. And if your inspiration is not rooted in Christ and it's rooted in something else, it's going to crumble. And you're going to find yourself... You're going to find yourself planted in fear, not being willing to move. So we got to make sure that our inspiration is in our devotion with Jesus Christ. Number two, something to think about. God is way too big to call you to do something that you could do by yourself. God is way too big. Wouldn't it have been so nice if God, like, like y'all ever see Willy Wonka, the Chocolate Factory? The first one, not before it got weird. You know, where Willy Wonka, he's finally gets to, he's showing everybody like, like the chocolate factory, like the plants are made of candy, right? And you have that like chubby Russian kid that's like, ooh, chocolate milk river, right? Like, and he's ready to go storm it. And then Willy Wonka just kind of lifts up his cane and he's like, go for it. And everybody's like, woo! And they go and they just go start eating everything. Wouldn't it have been nice if God was like Willy Wonka? Where he's like, here's the land of milk and honey. Right? And then like they all just storm and they just go and grab their land and it's wonderful. You see, the land of milk and honey means it's not actually like milk and honey. It means that it's a land that's going to produce from generation to generation to generation. It's not just a land that produces. It's a land of opportunity. It's a land where people can, could plant grab their roots, and grow and thrive in for generation to generation. But if God would have done that, if God would have done that, the Israelites get the glory and not him. And God is about his glory, not yours. So when God is going to call us to something, he called them. He's like, man, the land is yours. I just need you to go take it. And yes, there's giants, there's fortified walls, but I just need you to go do it. I'm with you. And what do the people do? They bail. They're like, no, we can't do this. And God's like, you're absolutely right. You can't do this, but I can. You see, when God calls us to things, he's going to make sure that you attach yourself to him. You link yourself to him. You plead with him, like, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work, but I know that you're with me. God wants us to grab onto him, and at the end of the day, he's going to get the glory. And if he gets the glory and you get to be a part of that, man, you get to share in that blessing as well. Number three, unbelief has ripple effects, y'all. Unbelief has ripple effects. I'm like, I got to talk to my man in the, in the building, in the room. Especially my dads. Listen, you are called to lead your family. Your kids are watching you, how you act, what you do. 
You are the leader, the spiritual leader for your family. And when you unbelief, when, whenever you, your kids are seeing what you're doing, they're going to follow you. The, the ripple effects of the unbelief of these people were a generation that were not able to enter the land that God promised them because they did not believe. There's a passage, um, Hebrews, you can look this up, Hebrews 3. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, I think it's such an interesting passage. Hebrews uh, chapter 3. We're going to look at three verses. Hebrews 3, 16 through 19. Look what it says. It says, Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they, were never, that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who obeyed or who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their what? Unbelief. Man, unbelief has some repercussions. Unbelief has some consequences. Just because of those 10 guys, generations were not able to take part in the promised land, and they ended up wandering the desert. Think about that. Your unbelief is going to cause some repercussions, not just for your family, not just for your, your loved ones, but also for their generations and their generations and their generations. Just something to think about. All right, we got to go. Next one is number four is in the kingdom, when it comes to kingdom agenda, minority rules, not majority. The minority rules. All you need, it's you, a calling from God, and let's go. I don't need men just to give me applause. If I know I'm called to something, if Jesus is with us, that's the only validation that you need in order to move forward. We have his word. We have his presence. Let's go. So we need to stop with this culture of like, I, may, I need to make sure people like what I'm doing. I need to make sure people know. If you have Christ, let's go. We see this minority rules. Caleb and Joshua were correct. The other 10 were wrong. They should have followed them and they should have gone, but they disobeyed the Lord. And then the last one is your perception is in your proportion to your faith. Perception happens in proportion to your faith. How in the world do they see evidence of God, what God called them to, and they get to a place where they see themselves as grasshoppers? Who told them they look like grasshoppers? Nobody. It was their perception of what they understood, what they looked like. That's who told them that they look like grasshoppers. We don't see ourselves with grasshoppers. How do we fix this? Many of us have a perception of ourselves based out of our past or based out of what people have told us or based out of our hurt. We have that, that foundation in us. So many of us look at our lives and it's like, no, I'm not able to because. I'm not able to because. I'm not able to. I don't know. I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm, I don't have the connections. I don't have all these things. It's like, man, who told you you weren't smart enough? A piece of paper? Our God is big enough. 
Our God is strong enough. Our, our God moves people. Imagine if you would just say, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm going to study as hard as I can. But God, I'm going to do this because you called me to do it. Imagine the outcomes that will come out of that. Man, the size of your faith impacts your perception in life. Your relationship with Jesus will shape how you view yourself. It's going to shape how you view your past. It's going to shape how you view situations. It's going to shape how you view what is happening around you. I'm not a grasshopper. I don't see myself as a failure because if you understand what Jesus says, you start saying things like, man, I am, an, I am adopted by God Almighty. I'm forgiven. I'm a son of God. I'm redeemed. I'm restored. I have the same power. That same power that rose Christ from the grave lives in me now. I am not dead in my sin. I'm alive in Christ. I have the Holy Spirit. There is absolutely no confusion of who I am. There's no confusion in my identity. My, I am his and he is mine. I am Christ. So yes, I might not be the smartest. Yes, I might not be the most charismatic. Yes, I might not be the most talented. I might not be the best looking. And yes, I have insecurities and I do have imperfections. But I am more than a conqueror and there is no condemnation because of Christ that's in me. You see how that changed? So when I see something, I don't look at it from the perspective of, man, I'm not good enough. I can't. I see it from the perspective of, God, you're big enough for this. You can. So, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, we're going to do it. And this whole idea, like I'm worried about getting canceled, no. Like I was canceled at the cross. I killed, I, my, I died to my flesh. I canceled my whole self at the cross. So it's not me, it is Christ who lives in me now. So it's Jesus in us who cares what everybody says. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. And then we'll close with this. So I'll ask the worship team to come on up. Because I know some of us, we're a little bit worried. Like, man, Ricky, like, there's some things I want to do, but I'm, I'm worried about the reactions I'm going to get. There's nothing you could do to me that worries me because of Jesus. And you know, when we first started, I mentioned a couple of verses, and we talked a little bit about like inspiration. And I think it's great for us to be inspired by God and the work that God is doing. I, I, you know, we throw out these passages in Scripture, but actually, Scripture is how we get the Lord's revelation in our lives. We have his word. That's how he speaks to us. The problem is, is when we don't use it right. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Keep reading. Because in verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. God, I know that you have plans for me, plans like I declares the Lord to give me a hope and a future. Keep reading. Look at verse 12 and 13. Then you will call on me and pray and, and pray to me and I will listen to you and I will seek you and you find me when you seek me with all your heart. God, you're going to make me the head, not the tail. You're going to make me the, 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 the borrower, I mean the lender, not the borrower. Keep reading. 
That's out of Deuteronomy 28. Verse 14 says, do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. Listen, everything points back to Jesus. Keep reading, use scripture, but understand that our inspiration, while we do what we do, it's all about him. It all points back to Christ. Everything goes to Jesus. It's about having a heart that loves Christ. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, let me tell you, today is the day of salvation. It's a great day to do it. So we're going to have a time of response and worship. And if today you're like, man, Ricky, I don't know. I'm not 100%. I want to give my life to Christ. I'm going to be sitting right here in this front row. I'm standing right here. If that's you, come talk to me. Let, let's, let's have a conversation. Because it's all about him. Let me pray for us. Father, I love you. And we thank you for all that you do. So Jesus, be with us, Lord. God, I pray that you help us strengthen our faith. Lord, help us to rely on your promises, not our fear of doing things ourselves. Help us to rely on the supernatural, not the natural. Lord, help us to understand that everything that we have belongs to you, and we're just faithful stewards of it all. So, Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to put faith in you, and help us to say yes when you call us. In your name we pray all these things. Amen.